This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, it's William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Lars on from Amplify, and our topic today is, how do you learn how to get better? Which sounds simple, but it is not. And when I was in business school, I remember a bunch of people uh, saying um, this phrase, this phrase was going around it like crazy. It was a, uh, how do you, how is it? it was a, CDO, a CEO's dilemma. How do you know what you don't know? And I'm like, <laughs> well, that's pretty much everyone's dilemma, not just the CEOs, but eh, whatever. We'll focus on the CEO, I guess. Um, but this is, this is a derivative or this is something that's actually been, been in on my mind for a long time. So Lars, do us a favor and introduce yourself and Amplify. Well, it's good to be with you again. Always good to uh, you know catch up with you and talk shop. Um, yep. I'm the founder of Amplify. I am a dad. I'm a husband. I'm an entrepreneur. I spent about a little over 20 years in the space. Um, most of that in corporate roles, leading TA teams and innovation teams at NPR and Ticketmaster and Magento and uh, left corporate to start my own firm, Amplify, a little over eight years ago now. And so now kind of the business is um, you know, half HR executive search and half the new Amplify Academy, which is a, a leadership development platform for HR and people leaders. Um, and then around that, you know, I do some writing for Fast Company and written a couple of books, um, host a podcast called Redefining HR, where I get to talk to really smart people doing interesting work and uh, learn from them. And um, yeah, I get to occasionally go to conferences where I hang out with friends like you. <laughs> those, those are always the better ones. It's one of my litmus tests now, like who's going to be there? <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it sounds like a cool party. Who's going? Yeah, it, pretty yeah. much. That's, that's how it is. Nothing's I, changed I since high it. school, actually. Uh, I've come full <laughs> circle. It's like, who's going to be there? Oh, yeah, no, I can't. Come oh, there. yeah. Oh, I got a, a thing that I just remembered. Yeah, exactly. Gave me that roster. Oh, my, oh, my God. Work called. Anyhow. Um, so let's, let's peel this, uh, onion on how do you, how do you, you know, basically how you don't get to a certain point and think, okay, I've learned enough or I've, I'm comfortable. There's really no need to learn something new. So how does one, a on one side, how do you, how do you get that? How do you, how do you kind of keep that at bay? Cause you know, the older you get, the more you, that creeps into your mind that, okay, I've learned a lot. But, you know, and, and maybe I don't need to learn anything else. Maybe I just ride this, <laughs> right? And, and yeah. then you've got other people that are always kind of the students of the game where they're continuously learning new things. So let's, let's bifurcate until with both of those things. So on the one side, the, the folks that maybe feel like they've learned enough, how do we change their mind? Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I, you know, you, the way you frame that the first person comes to mind is Jerry Crispin, right? Who I think yep. has always kind of framed himself as a lifelong learner and student and he is. And yep. I, I think you have to have that mindset. I don't think there's, there's any field or topic where like you've, you've topped out from a learning perspective, you know, there's always new angles to think about things. There's always new kind of tangential, um, aspects of that thing that might help reframe how you think about whatever it might be. 
that you're learning. And so, again, I think when you look at, especially as we look at the world we're in today and kind of, you know, for recruiting and HR operators practicing within this space, you know, our learning agility is essential. Our ability to like quickly pick up new things and research topics and and form an opinion uh, on things that maybe we've never had experience with is essential for our ability to be high performing in whatever role we are, right? I don't think there's any role. Uh, I don't think there's any kind of pure widget builders out there. So like, I don't think there's any roles out there that, you know, that there's just a, a, a certain finite body of knowledge you need to possess. And once you have it, you're golden, right? Uh, and, and even if there is, I would imagine that if there's new aspects of how you might think about that work, it might make you even more golden. So I, I think that, you know, that curiosity, that, you know, uh, I, growth mindset has become a buzzword. So I try not to use that often, but really that ability to continually learn, adapt and grow is essential because we're never done right until we're dead. Uh, we're, we're just, I don't, I don't think any of us are ever done learning. So you and I grew up kind of in an era where there were LinkedIn groups and Facebook groups and folks, <laughs> and that would maybe, you know, we learn from peers. Yeah. So, okay, let's put those things, those two things aside. How do we, how do we learn from peers today? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's so interesting. I think when you, you, you mentioned kind of LinkedIn groups and Facebook groups and, you know, those are really valuable and to some extent, they still might be somewhat valuable, but those are closed networks. And closed, diminishing. diminishing. Yeah, diminishing. Absolutely yeah. diminishing. Yeah. Um, I think when you, when you look at the, the era that we're in right now from a learning perspective, like the world is our classroom, right? I mean, I, I look at a platform like Twitter, right? Everybody kind of says, you know, you know views Twitter as a social media platform. I don't. I, I view it as a, a learning platform. And a networking platform, and you have the ability to access the minds of the very best people in their respective fields. And like, what are they reading? What are they talking about? What are they sharing? What 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 don't they agree with that seems to be prevailing wisdom out there? And that's all free, right? You have access to all of that. And so, you know, to me, I think using platforms like Twitter, you know, leveraging platforms like this, right? Podcasts, uh, peer networks and communities. I think communities uh, are, are a really robust learning platform these days. And I would say, you know, true communities, not like a Facebook group or LinkedIn group that often tends to be pretty transactional, uh, but real communities. I think there's so much learning that happens there that, you know, if you make space for it, and it is increasingly difficult to make space for it as recruiting and HR practitioners just based on the demands of our job. But if you make space for it, there's an unlimited amount of, of knowledge and inspiration and wisdom that you can gain through a range of resources that are, for the most part, free. You know, as you, as you talk about it, I'm thinking about the relationship between learning and vulnerability. Yeah. Right. So you got to be open. Yeah, so to some degree, not make space, uh, not not uh, as you said, you've got to make space for it, which is time, which of, we don't have enough just to do the things on our list. But you also, to some degree, got to be vulnerable with yourself about what you, what you do, what you're good at, what you're not good at, so strengths and weaknesses, etc. Hey, what do you what do you uh, is, do you see a, a dot to dot relationship with vulnerability? 
You know, I, I do. And maybe it's um, maybe rather than vulnerability, I might reframe that as ego. Right. Like I think if, you, <laughs> yeah, if yeah, you've yeah. got, exactly. uh, yeah, if you're like, you know, I, I know it all. I don't know. What am I going to, who, what am I going to learn from these people? Right. Like they're, they're beneath me. Like I'm, I'm a chief, whatever, whatever company. Right. I think for those kind of people, like, you know, good luck to them. Right. And, and right. fortunately, I think for both of us, the way that, you know, I don't, you know, I kind of carve those people out of my life. I don't really, right. I surround myself with more of that other profile of like, humble and curious and people who want to be uh, helpful and people who want to share freely uh, what they know. And so I think when you, when you kind of look at those people, there's this, uh, you know, voracious curiosity that they possess, not just within their domain, but within the world around them. I mean, I look at someone like Hung Lee, Right, the you know founder of recruiting brain food newsletter, uh, you know podcast. It just he, he's he's a force. Yep, I love his brain. I love the way he thinks. I love the way that he is so curious about so many different things and has an opinion and a view that is informed on so many different topics and things. You know, yes, recruiting brain food was created for recruiting, but the content in there has never just been about recruiting. It always right. includes like so many just you know, uh, tangential things and things that even aren't related whatsoever to recruiting. It's why it's one of my favorite newsletters. And so people who think and operate like that, who, who combine both their curiosity with their generosity in terms of sharing what they know and what they're learning and, and, and being able to, to, to kind of engage their networks in those ways. I think those are the leaders of today and tomorrow because of how they operate. Yeah, I, one of the things I love about him uh, as well is that he rarely cites resources that everyone would know. Meaning, or uh, let me th- let me rephrase that like uh, like something that would be published on Sherm's website or on Fistful of Talent or and, and not to disparage any of these things. These are all. Yeah. Okay, uh, recruiting daily or Erie or SourceCon or any of those types of things. He rarely, rarely looks at those. He's looking at articles in Engineering Today, uh, yeah. you know, like way off the beaten path. Which, again, bringing those things in, uh, I want to get your take on you know the inside the echo chamber. An echo chamber can be it's usually a derogatory term, but uh, and we can use it as a derogatory term. It's 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 our show. We can do whatever we want. Um, but the idea is that there's this limited, you can go to HCI, you can go to SHRM, you can go to Erie, you can go to these finite resources and get, get information, which is great. But this idea of all of these other things that are outside of that, uh, we'll say echo chamber, just, just to keep it you know, simple. Um, you, you know, what's your take on just kind of bringing in the stuff, you know, not looking at the things that everyone else is looking at and, and looking at, you know, things that are in, you know, I mean, magazines or, or, or sources that you'd never think of, you know, Deadspin, like how, yeah. how, how, how I just read an article on Deadspin and it absolutely has something to do with talent retention. Yeah. Uh, like what's your no, take I, on the inside I, and outside? I, I love it. I think you've got to be uh, plugged into both. Because again, that echo chamber is often, you know, reinforcing ideas, um, talking about the same things that you're talking about. That you know, you're, you will. There's room for learning in that, of course. Right. There's room for growth in that. But like, when you can get an infusion of perspectives and ideas outside of your area, 
that is, I think, where the magic happens. And like, let's just look at the field of HR, for example, right? The field of HR up until maybe 10 years ago was pretty insular, right? right. You, you came in as an associate, you worked your way up, all of your experience was in HR. And it meant that we had a lot of obstructed views in HR, things that you were just, we, we thought about things a certain way. And if you look at the field of HR today, very different, right? People are coming in and out of the field. You've got people coming in from all different disciplines of, of the business and engineering and marketing and data science and, and whatever else. And they're bringing their own kind of worldview and perspectives based on where they worked into HR. And I think that that is one of the biggest catalysts on the evolution of our field is having this influx of new perspectives and new ideas. And so, you know, I remember distinctly the, the first time I attended South by Southwest and prior to that, you know, most of the conferences I'd gone to were HR conferences. And then I went to that and I'm like sitting in on coder talks and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm a big fan of design. And so I went to as many design sessions as I could. And, and I'm just like, okay, this is, I'm, especially with design, I'm now taking what I'm learning in design and, you know, at this time I was, you know, very focused on employer brand in my career mm-hmm. and I'm bringing those design principles and marketing principles into my employer brand work. And it, it, it made it significantly better. And so I, I think having the ability, you know, and again, this is kind of comes back to that ego, setting that ego aside, you know, you don't know everything, uh, you know, you're, you're not filled up from a knowledge perspective. Maybe there are other ways to do things and inspiration you can find outside of your bubble that will help you reframe how you think about things and ultimately do things different and better and occasionally fuck things up and yeah. you'll try to, you'll, you'll swing and you'll miss and, and it'll blow up, but, but hopefully you don't get fired for that. You can learn from that and incorporate what you've learned from that into the next go around. I'll go further in the sense of if you don't make mistakes, you're not pushing hard enough. Yeah. Right. So I'm one of those, I'm one of those people where it's my personality that if you're not kind of breaking glass, then, then, then what are you doing? You know? So uh, I want to ask you about right and wrong within the context of learning, but I'll, I'll start with culture. Uh, years ago, the, the New York Times published this, this article on Amazon's culture, and they kind of framed it up as, you know, Amazon's culture is bad. Uh, and, and I thought that was really kind of weak sauce uh, from a number of positions. But one is, is there's, there's really no difference between Amazon's culture and any investment bank on Wall Street. Yeah, It's the exact same. It's shark infested waters. So, you know, it might be bad for you, but it's not bad. Because, you know, again, people that, that go to iBanks, uh, they, they go because they work 100, they want to work 160 hours. They want to, they, you know, they want to work where it is shark infested, where it's meritocracy, where they get paid a lot. And, uh, and it is a bit cutthroat. Okay, cool. Not my, that would, I would not thrive in that environment. <laughs> so, so it, not, not a good place for me. That's why I didn't go to investment banking after business school. So I, I knew better because I knew I wouldn't thrive there. Um, and, and, but they positioned it in a way of like, there's right and wrong, good and bad. And I thought that that was weak of, of them. And, you know, I'm not picking fun, I'm poking fun at the New York Times. I love the New York Times, but I thought that particular article was weak. I think it could have been much stronger by, by really kind of framing up culture differently. And so we now move over to right and wrong from a learning perspective. Do you have kind of a mentality around learning kind of the, you know, is there a right way for people to consume content 
and try things and learn things? Uh, or is there a wrong, like, is there a wrong way to learn? Yeah. I mean, look, I think the only wrong way to learn is not trying to learn. Yeah. Right. I, I think the way that we learn is, is different, right. The way that we absorb information, um, you know, particularly I, be, I did a lot of research on adult learning as I was building the new Amplify Academy. And, and I think, uh, you know, it, it's different for different groups. And so I think one of the things that I, I did when I was designing the content is I divided it into long form and short form. Um, and the, you know, that the, that's kind of framed as like under 10 minutes or greater than 10 minutes, because sometimes, you know, you, you need, you know, your learning is more like just in time, right? right. I, I just got out of a meeting. My boss said, I need to do X. I've never done X. Is there something out there that will quickly help me understand like what the hell is involved in doing X? Uh, and cause I need to go back to this meeting tomorrow with an opinion on X, you know, and then there's another scenario where, I now uh, I'm going to be owning X. Uh, I've got to go deeper to really understand the ins and outs of X and how to do it thoughtfully and how to do it correct and how to measure it, you know, all of those different variables. And so, you know, I, I think there is not really a wrong way to learn un unless you are not thinking that you need to learn. You know, what, one of the, uh, you know, tips, hacks, whatever you want to call it, that I recommend everybody do is, um, you know, everybody, especially, you know, your, your listeners are mostly practitioners. They're busy. I know what that desk looks like. Um, take at, at a minimum 30 minutes every week, put it in your calendar, block it. Don't let people schedule over it. And that's your learning time, right? At, at a bare minimum, 30 minutes a week, you can dedicate, everybody can dedicate 30 minutes a week to learning. And that's where like, you know, you're reading those articles, your friends have sent you, you're, you're listening to that podcast. Everybody was saying, Hey, this is a great way to think about X, Y, or Z. Um, you know, you, you have, you know, as you get resources and everybody's sharing resources, you're seeing things on social media or a newsletter or whatever else, you know, create a platform, a tool, whether it's notion or whatever else, where you can kind of save all those. And then, then that 30 minutes a week, go in and read them. And, and see what they're there. Because, you know, my, my fear is uh, a lot of people, their, their, their lack of learning isn't through an unwillingness to learn. They don't know how to program learning into their schedule. Right. And they don't know how to make time for it. And if you don't make time for it, especially in busy roles, it's just not going to happen. And so, again, at a bare minimum, 30 minutes, put it in your week. It's a recurring meeting. It's, it's you know, you don't let people schedule over it. And at a bare minimum, do that. And you'll be surprised at how much you learn and how you might take some of those ideas into your work and how ultimately making that time will make you better at your job, more productive at your job, because you're, you're reading and consuming different ideas and different perspectives that can inform your work. What I love about this is we talk about, especially coming out, out, it's not the right phrase, but COVID is uh, really helped us understand mental health and be able to talk more about mental health, which is fantastic. It sucks that it took a catastrophe for us to talk about mental health. However, we're here now and uh, we're talking and having more open dialogue around, you know, me time, time for you to kind of deal with some of the issues you have and programmatically work with companies and work with therapists, et cetera. So I, I love all of that, but I love the dialogue that you, you've, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking about in terms of me time. And there's also a my learning time. And again, I think a lot of folks 
aspirationally think, oh, I can, I'll get that to, I'll get to that, you know, later at night or on the weekends or at a certain point, and it just never happens. Yeah. And so I think the one of the, the you know, the nuggets that you've given them today is like, you, you just got to schedule it. It's like going to the gym. Like you, <laughs> you just, <laughs> you, you've actually got to go to the gym. Like my son came into me, uh, uh, Henry came into me, uh, into the office one day. He said, dad, I want to get bigger. I said, well, Henry, that's easy. <laughs> he's 16. So, well, he's 15 at the time, but I said, that's easy. He goes, really? I said, absolutely. It's super easy. He goes, how do I do it? I said, you go to the gym <laughs> and you lift weights. <laughs> that's how you get bigger. He goes, yep. okay. All righty. So I'm going to do that. And he did. And it's, it's, it's actually kind of quite fascinating, but the, the thing about me time and then what you've expanded on me time is my learning time is if people actually take your advice now, then they can go back through again that that fire hose of information that that's thrown at them from all kinds of different places. Great newsletters and articles that are things that are being sent to them, etc. I think that you you mentioned Notion as a way of collecting those things, uh, and then carving out that time that no one else can. But I mean, really, you're off the grid compared, you know, with everyone in your world. You're off the grid because you're going to just be able to just focus on learning something new. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I think, uh, you know, people may view that as selfish, right? Or like self-serving. And, you know, perhaps it is if you look at it from one angle. And I think, frankly, employees need to be a bit more selfish in terms of uh, focusing their attention on their own career growth and development, not just their contributions to their employer. That's another podcast. Yeah. But getting back to, to that point, I mean, I think if you, the, the more you learn, the more diverse perspectives uh, and lenses through which you can think about problems, the chances are the better you'll be able to solve them. And that has a direct, uh, you know, monetary benefit to your employer, right? So again, I was a CEO of a large company and I'm not, but if I was, of course, it's easy for me to say that because I'm not. Um, but I, I would, I would look at institutionalizing that in my company. You know, every employee has an hour a week for learning, put it in your calendar. Uh, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be like a set time across all the company, but like, why not do that? Because if those employees are more informed, uh, they have deeper, um, you know, perspectives on, on the world around them. The, the more impactful they'll be in their role. What do you think about the diversification of sources, the inputs part? Because uh, I'll, I'll take this into kind of a news. If you're, if you're watching, and again, no, no offense to anybody, if you're watching MSN and you're getting all your news from MSN and CNN, you're going to see the world a certain way. If you get all your news from uh, Fox and OAN, you're going to see the world a certain way, right? So, okay, put news aside and all politics and all that stuff aside for a moment. But if you don't, like the, I want to get your take on the diversification of those inputs. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important because you don't want to have a mono view right. towards all of these different events. And you will, if you're a single source learner. So I think you have to diversify uh, your sources. And frankly, that also means probably consuming content from, uh, you know, content sources that generally you disagree with. Right. Right. Because they're, right. you know, may, maybe it will, um, you know, further you in that view that they don't know what they're talking about, or maybe there'll be an element there where you're like, you know what? I don't like a lot of what they have to say, but their perspective on X yeah. actually did resonate or, or, or maybe I don't share that point of view, but because I, I saw this listened to this, read this, 
I have a better understanding as to people who do hold that point of view, why they think that way. Yeah. Right. And, and I think that both of those outcomes are valuable. And again, I think it, that's getting harder and harder to do today. Yeah. Again, you know, you set politics, politics aside, I'll take it back on the table. I mean, especially in that climate yep. where, you know, we are all so bunkered in to our views and, and, and polarized by them. And, yep. That is increasing, not decreasing. And I think Agreed. that's that's a real, you know, macro risk for our country. Um, the fact that we're not just having, you know, alternate um opinions. We are having based on our news and, and media sources, you know, those opinions are framed as facts. Right. And we're not operating off the same set of facts, then we're in real trouble. It's interesting. One of my dirty little pleasures has been for a hundred years is uh, all my AM press pre, uh, presets on my, in my car are all to conservative radio stations. Yeah. And so I'll just, when, when, when needed, I'll just listen and go from one to the other rush to, you know, all the different people and, and, and 98% of the time I disagree with everything that's going through the radio, but occasionally it'll be like, well, wait a minute. All right. I hadn't thought of it that way. Okay. 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 Like, you know, like, like I find myself going, okay, you know, that's, but it's one of those deals. I could easily be listening to NPR nonstop uh, and loving it, loving every moment of it. Uh, and, but the problem is, is, uh, I, I think that diversification and listening to people that you disagree with, for me, I think it actually helps me understand you know, where they're coming from. Uh, I, I won't, it won't change my mind, but, but I, I do learn and have for, you know, a long time. I have learned actually little bitty things here and there. It's, it's, uh, sporadic. It's never, never something I can plan on. Um, let me, you know, while we have a couple of minutes left, let me ask you about learning styles and learning differences. And because uh, learning styles, you know, as 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 it's as defined at least by the people in learning, is sometimes you you looked at you with the academy, you said short form and long form, which is beautiful, and the uses of those are beautiful. Um, but other styles where people like to read, people like to want touch, like people want someone to, you know, someone to talk to them, you know, like there's all kinds of different ways of learning styles. And then there's another chasm of learning differences that we're dealing with. You know, yep. I'm dealing with both my kids have learning differences. Uh, and, and, and so there's, it's really, it's opened my eyes to, to, uh, to understand that not every, you know, there's, there's, not just like dyslexia, which is really, you know, it's a really kind of easy one to point to, but there's all, there's all kinds of different learning differences. So how do you, how do you see that in a professional environment? How do you see learning styles and learning preferences intertwined? Yeah. I mean, I think having, you know, trying to create what I frame as like multi-modality content, mm -hmm. uh, I think helps. I mean, it's hard, like as a content creator, uh, your goal should be to create content that is as inclusive right. and usable right. and meaningful as possible. Um, you know, despite your best intentions of that, you're always going to be uh, leaving somebody out in terms of a learning style that may not connect with that. You know, right. and I think it's interesting. I've done a lot of work through the academy and just through a friendship with uh, AJ Thomas. She is the uh, the chaos mm -hmm. pilot. For people in culture at X, uh, the Moonshot Factory, 
And I, I profoundly remember the very first conversation I had with her and we're talking about design thinking in HR. And, you know, she had a statement where she said, you know, if you design for the most marginalized or underrepresented, you design for everyone. Right. And so like right. that should be the, the, the persona that you're trying to build for. And if you do that, through doing that, you will design for everybody. And so I, I think that that applies to this as well as like trying to create uh, content and learning, you know, resources and offerings that are the most uh, broadly accessible, um, engaging, appealing, uh, but then also being humble and listen. And if you get called out because you didn't um, caption a video or, or you used uh, yeah. a, a particular graphic that, uh, you know, had, a flash animation that would, that made consuming it difficult, like be open to that feedback and learning from it and, and be willing to kind of make modifications and changes based on that. I think that's, that's, you know, at least for me, that's kind of how I think about creating content in the Academy. Well, and it brings us back to humility. You know, yeah. you, you're not going to get it all right. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to not have captions uh, uh, on something. And somebody's going to say, hey, this doesn't have captions. And it's like, okay, fair enough. Let me run it back through and do that. Thank you so much. Like, that's just, A, that's being will that's willingness to take feedback. Uh, so I, I love that. Lars, I could talk to you forever, but it turns out we both have stuff to do. So thank you so much for carving out time and the Recruiting Daily pod Podcast audience. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, William. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. And thanks everyone for listening and continuing to listen to the podcast. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at Recruiting.